Hello, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the podcast of Next Step Press, where we help you take a next step. I'm watching the first water skier of the season make a bend around our bay as I record this introduction today. The sun is out and shining on the water, and spring is in the air. I'm excited to welcome Leo Sanchez to our podcast today. Leo is a professor of systematic theology at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. He's also the author of a book called Sculptor Spirit, Models of Sanctification from Spirit Christology. Today, Leo and I will be looking at Chapter 5 of When From Death I'm Free, a hymn journal for Holy Week. Chapter 5 is focused on the hymn, Go to Dark Gethsemane. And on the basis of that hymn, we'll talk about what it means to have Jesus as an example, learn of Jesus Christ to pray, learn of him to bear the cross, learn of Jesus Christ to die. We'll also talk about the work of the Holy Spirit who shapes us and conforms us to the image of Jesus. You'll hear Leo open us in prayer, and then he and I will read responsively the scripture printed on page 51 of the book. You'll hear me read the devotion printed on page 52, and we'll get to hear a version of the hymn from The Hymnal Project. Then Leo and I will discuss two of the models of sanctification from his book, the dramatic model and the renewal model. And finally, we'll close by asking what next step the Spirit is shaping in us this week. We had some technical difficulties for this recording, so it doesn't sound much better than your typical Zoom meeting. In fact, that's how we ended up recording it on Zoom. So if you'll just bear with us and pretend like you're joining a Zoom meeting in progress, welcome to our meeting. I'm glad you're here as Leo and I discuss Go to Dark Gethsemane. I am still sheltering in place here in Brighton, Michigan. Leo, thanks so much for joining us today. Where in the world are you? Hi, Justin. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, home of the Cardinals. Uh-huh. So didn't get to didn't get to play uh, yesterday. Or <laughs> uh-huh. well, I'm I'm so glad you're here to help us out with this Go to Dark Gethsemane hymn. Before I start, Leo, I think what we're doing today is something that you would call Teologia in conjunto. Would you tell me what that is? Yes, that's good. That's good. Uh, Teologia en conjunto basically means doing theology together. Mm. And it's a term that has been used over the years by Hispanic, Latino, Latina theologians in the United States uh, just to recognize how theology is not an individualistic mm. task, but it's a church task. Mm-hmm. And so we do it together. We do it in community. I always tell my students that, you know, if you do theology alone uh, on an island somewhere, you're likely to become a heretic <laughs> <laughs> because there's no one there to keep you accountable and to work with you and to check with you. And so we do the- uh, theology, theologia, en conjunto, which means together, right? Uh, that really resonates with me, and that's one reason why I wanted to invite you here. At Next Step Press, we like to say we follow Jesus better when we follow him together. I think that's just oh. a for teologi in conjunto. I like that. <laughs> hey, as we begin, would you please open us with prayer? Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and shape in us the form of Christ, so that like Jesus, 
we may be faithful to our Father in heaven, and we may serve our neighbors here on earth. Come, Holy Spirit, shape Jesus in us today. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you for that prayer. Uh, the first verse of this hymn we're dealing with today, Go to Dark Gethsemane, says, You who feel the tempter's power, your Redeemer's conflict see, watch with him one bitter hour, turn from his griefs away, learn of Jesus Christ to pray. And I have to tell you, there have been times in my theological formation when this hymn has very, has very much bothered me. I didn't like it. Mm. It seems to make Jesus an example for us, as if the most important thing going on in the garden was Jesus teaching me how to pray. And mm. it's all through those verses this way. We're going to learn from him to bear the cross and learn from him to die. We're going to ask that he teach us so to rise. And it seems like it does something theologically that I was taught was bad, which is mm. it takes Jesus' work for us and turns it into an example of something we're going to do. Would you help me unpack that a little bit as we enter into this hymn today? Yeah, that's a good point. Usually I think we are very uh, accustomed to hearing of Jesus in terms of how he's different from us, you know? Yes. So we'll say uh, things like, you know, he's God. Mm -hmm. We confess him to be God. And of course that is true. Uh, and then also we want to emphasize what he's doing for us that we cannot do for ourselves, you know? So he's the God who takes on uh, our human nature takes upon himself also our sins so that he might mm -hmm. save us from sin. Yeah. And I think that's uh, very good. You know, it's right, it's orthodox, it's uh, the confession of the church. There's a term, uh, Logos Christology. Logos comes from uh, Gospel of John, chapter 1. And in the beginning was the Logos, the Word, and the Word was with God, mm -hmm. the Word was God, and through him all things were made. And um, and then he talks about how he became a flesh. Um, and so a Logos Christology will emphasize Jesus' distinction from us. He's the divine Logos, divine word, who creates all things and who saves us. But there is also a, a complementary way of speaking about Jesus without doing away with that. And that is that he's also the one who bears and gives the spirit. And so even in the Gospel of John, we see that the Spirit descends upon the incarnate Word. And so the Spirit rests on him. And then he also uh, breathes the Spirit or gives the Spirit to us. Mm -hmm. So there is a way, you know, that uh, we can talk about the Spirit in the life of Jesus. And that Spirit he gives to us, you know. So because Jesus gives his Holy Spirit to us, then we can live our lives guided by his spirit. Mm. And those lives look like the life of Christ, you know. So there is a sense in which Christ can teach us to live according to the spirit he has given us. Mm. And, as, and so that goes by the term spirit Christology, uh, which talks about Jesus' life in the spirit. And part of that life in the spirit is that in the spirit, he prays to the Father. He prays, mm. Abba, Father. Yeah. And this is precisely the way Paul in Romans 8 talks about how Christians pray. We pray in the Spirit, and that's talking mm -hmm. about the Holy Spirit, of the Son who mm -hmm. dwells in us. 
and that mm -hmm. spirit shapes us to be like the sun and therefore mm -hmm. we too pray abba father when we're in the midst of our gethsemane so so it sounds like we have these two different ways of viewing christology and both of them are biblical both of them are true both of them are orthodox uh, you've got the logos christology we get that in some of our lenten hymns stricken smitten and afflicted comes to mind tis the word the Lord's anointed son of man and son of God that says mm. that distinction. Jesus is not like us and we're not supposed to be like Jesus on the cross. He's dying yeah. for us and in our place doing something we can't do. And then there's this spirit Christology. Jesus enters into baptismal waters, stands in the place of sinners, receives the outpouring of the spirit as the anointed Messiah, the anointed with the spirit one for us. He pours out that spirit into our lives. And now that spirit shapes us, shapes our lives to participate in and look like the life of Jesus. That's an important insight that we can say it both ways, and both ways are important. You need stricken, smitten, and afflicted, and you need go to dark Gethsemane. They both have something to say for us. Oh, absolutely. And, e and even in this uh, uh, stanza that you just read from go to dark Gethsemane, it does says your redeemer's conflict see. So there's an mm. emphasis on him being the redeemer, which I am not. Yes. He goes through that conflict for me. And at the same time, it says learn of Jesus Christ to pray. And so here we have another dimension, which is that the redeemer also teaches us, mm. you know, to live according to his way of life. And that is not possible except through the Holy Spirit. And I, in parts of my faith walk, have felt like those were contradictory or opposites. It was either Jesus was Redeemer or you could learn from him to pray. He was an example. Mm. He's not merely an example, but the fact that our Redeemer also teaches us to pray, that the Spirit shapes us into his prayer. Uh, you, you mentioned Romans, and let's, uh, we're on page 51 in this hymn journal now. And why don't we read these? I think it'd be fun if we read them responsibly. So I'll start with the reading on the top of that page, and then let's read these responsibly. They get at that idea that you just mentioned in, in Pauline theology. It even shows up in the Garden of Gethsemane. So the first reading is from Galatians 4, verse 6. God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Yes, and then we have Romans 8.15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Romans 8, still verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And then from Mark 14, 35 through 36, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you, Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. 
it's cool to put those verses kind of next to each other and, and see what comes out. Uh, Leo, is there something in those verses reading through it just this time with us that comes to the fore for you? Yeah, what struck me this time around was this whole, whole idea that the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. Mm. And I think that shows a connection. In other words, the spirit whom the son with capital S has, he has given that spirit to us. And so we have received that. And now we share in his sonship. That doesn't mean that we're the son of God, right? But we mm -hmm. share in his sonship by adoption mm -hmm. through the spirit. And so because of that, we have access to the father and we cry, Abba, father. So that struck me. Anything that struck you this time around? Well, when you add all these Abbas up kind of next to each other, they really, they really stand out to me. So just what you said, by adoption, we have, we have this relationship that he might be the first among many brothers and sisters. He's the first mm -hmm. and foremost. We come along then also into his family. But look at the prayers on our lips. The prayers on our lips, the spirit, the same spirit that made us brothers and sisters with Jesus is the one who prays in us, Abba, Father. So those, that, that tight connection between our relationship with Jesus and our relationship in the Spirit to the Father, that the almost Trinitarian theology that's playing out in our prayer life here. Uh, yes. Imagine Jesus in the garden saying Abba, and then to imagine me praying Abba and how those resonate. The Spirit mm. conforms us to the image of Christ. Um, that's pretty powerful. Yeah, that was pretty powerful too, seeing that again, being conformed, that, that very language to the image mm. of the and, and I think uh, these verbs, like you're received and you're conformed, you know, they, they're, they're, uh, they're passive types. Yeah. Uh, which I think is important because when we talk about Jesus as example, I think part of the, the reaction against that has been that it emphasizes so much kind of what we are doing. Yes. And sometimes we put that in, in kind of a... a a, a theology of ascent. You know, we mm -hmm. are doing something to ascend to the level of uh, God through Jesus. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, when you look at those, it struck me again, those, those passives, you know, that what's going on is different. It's a descent theology. So Good. it is God through his spirit who is coming into our lives and shaping those lives. I like to use the image of the sculptor, the spirit yes. of sculpting us to be like Jesus, to sharing his sonship. And in this case, you know, uh, that is expressed through prayer. And so it's really a gift, you know. It's, mm. it's really kind of like how we began our uh, time together with a prayer for the Spirit to come down, mm -hmm. to descend, to do his work in us. And, and I think that's, that's another a difference between example and maybe conforming or shaping or forming yes no that's that's such a clear and important point i think leo because that that takes away our effort our we we tend to want to pull ourselves up by our spiritual bootstraps and and we're told to see jesus in the garden and and now if he becomes an example then i have to work hard to try to pray like that right but the spirit i have received and that spirit is shaping jesus gethsemane prayer in me I'm still actively engaged in this. I, I'm the one still praying, but, but even the words I'm praying are being shaped by the Spirit. I'm not in the driver's chair. 
I'm not the one leading and shaping my own discipleship walk. I'm not the one working extra hard to learn of Jesus Christ to pray. The Spirit is shaping Jesus and his life for me. He's shaping that in me too. And that to me, the difference between the example that I live up to and work hard to try to be like and, and the image that I'm being shaped towards, mm. to me that emphasis is really, really different and really important. Yeah, no, that's that's huge. You know, that's very helpful. Otherwise, what ends up happening is there is kind of a distance between Jesus out there somewhere and then us. So we so mm. we, we try to follow him as examples. Like we're trying to bridge that distance so that we're like him out there. Yes. Whereas what's happening with the Spirit is a bit more personal. Mm. It's the Spirit bringing Jesus to us and then shaping him through us. <laughs> yes. And that, you know, by faith and in love. And so it's, it's really the Spirit, the one who bridges that gap. Uh, from His side, yes. Yeah. We, we aren't trying to work hard to bridge the gap to be like Jesus. The Spirit brings Jesus to us and shapes Jesus in us. He's yes. present with us. Before we look like Him, He's already present with us. And He continues to shape us more and more to be like Him. Oh, what a, right. just, what a wonderful way of turning that example almost on its head. Uh, thank you, Leo. Hey, I want to yeah. turn the page and read the devotion. That's been our habit here as well. Let me read the devotion that's written in the book. It's called Learn of Jesus Christ to Pray. Mm. The Spirit shapes you to be like Jesus. Over time, the Spirit shapes the life of Jesus in you so that you are conformed more and more to the image of the Son. That is, so that you look more like Jesus in your everyday life. By looking at what Jesus does for us, we catch a glimpse of what the Spirit is doing in us. For us, the obedient Son prays to the Father in the garden, prays for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as in heaven. In us, the Spirit shapes the prayer, Our Father, thy kingdom come. I will be done. For us, the suffering son picks up his cross and carries the shame and sorrow of the world. In us, the spirit shapes a willingness to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For us, the sacrificial son shows the full measure of his grace embracing even death for those he loves. In us, the Spirit shapes a daily dying to self and pride and the need to be right. For us, the victorious Son rises in glory. In us, the Spirit shapes resurrection life already now and will one day conform our lowly bodies to be like the glorious, human, risen, and glorified body of Jesus. The Spirit shaped you to be like Jesus. Watch with him one bit.
Those were the first two verses of the hymn, Go to Dark Gethsemane. The music was from the hymnal project, and I'm with Leo Sanchez. Leo, I love to hear you say your full name, because I can never get it right. Would you give me, lay your full name on me once for record, would you please? That would be Leopoldo Antonio Sanchez Merino. <laughs> music to my ears, brother. Thank you. And we're here together talking about this hymn and talking about spirit Christology. Yeah, one of the things I appreciated about your devotion was a distinction you made between Christ for us and Christ in us. I think that's helpful. It reminds me of Luther's distinction between Christ as gift and Christ as example. Okay. Uh, Luther wasn't against Christ as example, but he always emphasized first speaking of Christ as gift. Mm. So in your devotion, you kind of lay out Christ as gift to us, and then you bring in the spirit working in and through us to shape Christ in us. And that, that reminded me of uh, Christ's example. And Luther kind of puts it this way, Christ's gift strengthens our faith because Christ's gift reminds us that we're Christian. Uh, we believe in him and by faith we're made sons by adoption. But then he moves into Christ's example and he says that has to do with our works and he specifically talks about how we bear each other's burdens. Mm. We, we carry the cross uh, for our neighbors. And that reminded me of what you said. We died to ourselves in order to make room for others. Mm. Uh, and already here in the second stanza of the hymn, you see that. Learn of him to bear the cross. Yeah. So the giftedness is that he bears the cross for us mm. so that we might be made children of God. And at the same time, it says, learn, learn of him to bear the cross. Part of doing that is as we share each other's burdens. That's how the Spirit shapes in us that Christ-likeness. It's the Spirit shaping that in us. That, that's so important. I think oftentimes I, I hear it presented as if Jesus did his part, and, and now kind of it's our turn. Jesus did his part, now you do your part. And it's so much more biblically correct, but also beautiful to see it as Jesus doing his part for us, outside of us, on our behalf, and then the Spirit shaping the life of Jesus in us, where we are then participating in it is our works. But even as we bear one another's burdens or bear our own crosses, that's, that's the Spirit conforming us to Jesus. That's not us trying to kind of fulfill our part of the bargain. Uh, it's a completely different paradigm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. In, in your book, Sculptor Spirit, you, you lay out several different models of, of what this looks like for the Spirit to, to sculpt Jesus in us. And these first two verses, it struck me in particular, fit with something you call the, the dramatic model. It's the Spirit shaping Jesus' struggle in wilderness and garden. And here we are in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and shaping that, that battle of Jesus in his life, shaping that also in us. Would you help me understand that dramatic model? A little bit better? In the book, I talk about five different ways in which the Spirit shapes Christ in us. And mm. one of them is the dramatic model. And dramatic simply means the Christian life is like a, a, a drama, the evil one fighting for the souls of people. You know, this mm -hmm. is kind of mm -hmm. the, uh, the idea behind it. And one of the images that comes to mind is the image of the desert 
where Jesus mm -hmm. was tempted. And mm -hmm. so our lives too are like a desert. We too are tempted like Jesus. And then the other image that comes to mind is the garden, which applies especially here to Gethsemane. is the garden where Jesus also is feeling the tempter's power, as the hymn puts it. Mm. The desert is on the one hand the place of prayer, but also the place of attack. Mm. The garden is also the place of communion with God, but at the same time it's the place of attack. Mm. So we think of the first garden. Mm -hmm. We think of Jesus in the desert, you know. He's led by the Spirit. We think of Israel in the desert. So deserts, gardens, powerful images in Scripture. And here we have the Garden of Gethsemane. And so it is a place of prayer for Jesus, but it's also a place of feeling the tempter's power. And so mm -hmm. is the Christian life. You know, the Spirit also accompanies us, leads us in the desert and in the garden of our lives and gives us strength for the journey ahead. And so the dramatic model offers us a way of thinking about what the Christian life looks like. And this is one image that we have of it. So especially when we feel under attack or when we are tempted or when, when we're facing suffering, how would that help me then process my life to think of the Spirit shaping the desert and garden experiences of Jesus also in me? Part of it is, first, the recognition that life in the Spirit is not, as they say in Iowa, honky-dory. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that life in the Spirit doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy now, but rather it's tough. So I think that there is something to that. You know, even Jesus is led by the Spirit into the desert. So, so the heavens open and the Father declares, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The Spirit descends like a dove. Next verse, And the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If you're going to be like Jesus, you should not expect your life always to be hunky-dory is the correct theological term. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, life in the Spirit brings you into ah. Into a conflict with the evil one, with the evil spirit. It's better than being completely under the evil. Yes. Another way of thinking of this would be Paul when he talks about the conflict between the Holy Spirit and the flesh, which is seduced by the evil spirit, you know, mm -hmm. to set itself against God's will and spirit and word. And so it is a gracious thing to know that the spirit is with us as we walk through our deserts and gardens just as the Spirit was with Jesus. And I think, you know, in the midst of the garden, the other thing that's helpful here is that as we are under attack and the evil one seduces us to either act outside of God's word or to mm -hmm. doubt God's mm -hmm. word, mm -hmm. uh, that the Spirit is in some ways gently leading us to depend on God. Mm -hmm. In the midst of those difficult times, the Spirit leads us to pray to God, to put all things in His hands, to stand firm in His Word. And that's what you see Jesus doing, you know, in the desert. He stands firm when the evil one speaks God's Word against God. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, in the garden, He prays, Abba, Father. And so I think this is the shape of the Christian life. If I only have Jesus as an example, 
then I would look at the temptation and the Garden of Gethsemane in the desert and in the garden. Uh, I would see here are here are you know three things you should do because Jesus did them. Jesus trusted the Word and Jesus prayed, Our Father. And but but if I'm thinking more of the sculpting spirit, then the Spirit is driving us not only into the wilderness but into dependence on God's Word. The Spirit is driving us into prayer. The Spirit is shaping in us Jesus' dependence on the Word. The Spirit is shaping in us Jesus' Abba Father prayer. I love that the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, and he gives them the Our Father, which prays for God's will to be done and God's kingdom to come. And we see Jesus kind of putting his own prayer into action then in the garden, the same prayer he gave the disciples, not verbatim, but certainly some of the same themes. It's a it's an Our Father kind of prayer that prays for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to think of my my Christian life, my faith walk as a kind of, a battle that plays out in wilderness and garden where the spirit is shaping in me, Jesus confidence, Jesus trust in the word, Jesus prayer to the father. Uh, that helps me understand parts of my Christian life. That's not the only way we have of talking about it. The the last two verses, I love this hymn because it does take us from Gethsemane all the way to, to the garden tomb. Uh, we verse three, we climb Calvary's mournful mountain and, and we learn of Jesus Christ to die. And then in verse 4, early we hasten to the tomb and we pray, Savior, teach us so to rise. Does that dynamic of Jesus' death and resurrection fit with any of the models that you have in your book for what the, the Spirit is shaping in us? Yeah, that's another way of thinking about the Christian life. I call it the renewal model. So it's the death and resurrection, dying and being raised to new life in Christ. And so, you know, we go from a, a picture of life as a struggle, the Christian life as a struggle, to uh, the Christian life as a daily dying in order to be raised to new life with Christ. And I think you need, you need both, you know. On the one hand, yes, life is a desert, but I think the renewal model almost brings with it the notion that there is an oasis in the desert. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, we're in the desert, it's tough, we're under attack, and yet we go to the waters of the world, you might say. We go to, to the waters where we died to our sins. We look at our filthy rags. Our waters are like a mirror, you know, who show, mm. that show us our sins, how we're seduced by the evil one, uh, and we die to that. But in order to be raised, refreshed, so that we can then continue to walk along the journey. And eventually that journey takes us to the empty tomb because that journey takes us to our sharing then in that aspect of sonship, which is that God in the spirit will also raise his son from the dead. Mm. And so we, on our way through the desert, we always have this goal we walk in Lent, but towards Easter. When we will finally be conformed to the image of the Son, the firstborn among many brethren. Mm -hmm. So we too, like Jesus, will be finally raised by the Spirit. But it will happen through the desert. So mm -hmm. it's a death-resurrection journey. And uh, the Spirit, again, leads us in that journey.
Leo, it's been so good to have you here on the, the Next Step podcast. You mentioned two of the, the models in your book, Sculptor Spirit. I know there are five. Would you just briefly give us an idea of what the other three are as we look for ways the Spirit is shaping the life of Jesus in us? I'll be glad to. Uh, another model is a sacrificial model, mm-hmm. which has to do with serving neighbors. And uh, we think of uh, how Jesus is anointed with the Spirit to be a, the servant of Yahweh. So to have the Spirit is to serve, to be a disciple of Jesus. And so Jesus gives us that Spirit. The Spirit shapes us to be Christ-like in that that way. And so we serve one another and share life with one another. The other one is the hospitality model. So we see that Jesus, uh, part of his mission is to also go out towards uh, marginalized neighbors. So we think of the Samaritan woman in John we think of um, the Samaritan leper uh, in Luke uh, 17. And so the Spirit is uh, moving Jesus in his mission towards those places and brings the kingdom of God to outsiders. Mm. And lo- the life of the church is portrayed the same way. You think of how Philip goes out to the Greek-speaking Jewish widows, Ethiopian eunuch, the Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Life in the Spirit is a life of hospitality, mm. uh, welcoming strangers and marginalized neighbors uh, into our life. And then you have the devotional model, which deals with how our, we were created to be devoted to God. And part of the way we show that devotion is through uh, work and rest. Rest to give thanks to God for all his gifts, but also literal rest. Mm and work where we are stewards of what he has given us. And in between, you know, literal rest and work, you also have a, a place for play. We, we rejoice in God's gifts. And so in the life of Jesus, we see a similar pattern and rhythm. He, you know, he lives according to the rhythm of God's rest and activity. He goes to the mountain to pray. Uh, He gives thanks to God, praises Mm -hmm. God in the spirit. And at the same Mm -hmm. time, you know, we know that he's working in his father's uh, mission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the spirit of Jesus shapes that life in us so that we too are stewards of what he has given us. We too go to the mountain to pray Mm -hmm. and we too uh, rejoice in the spirit and praise God. So those are in total five different ways of thinking about life in the spirit. There may be more, but at least Mm -hmm. the book gives you uh, five to get you going. To get you going, yeah, yeah. And and if if I've caught the vision of this correctly, what we're doing is looking at Jesus' life and noticing how not not how we can try hard to be more like Jesus, but how the Spirit is shaping in us Jesus' act of sacrifice. I think of the washing of the disciples' feet, and Jesus says, "Now." Now that I've washed your feet, so you should wash one another's feet. Uh, and that becomes no longer like a, therefore thou shalt and you better try hard to, but a, this is what the Spirit, the Spirit shapes that sacrificial self-giving of Jesus in us. That the Spirit shapes in us the welcoming of the stranger or the outsider. The same attitude that Jesus had, the Spirit shapes in us. A Jesus rhythm of work and reliance on the Spirit and reliance on the Father rest. Uh, and play, work, that cycle of, that Jesus lives out in his life, the Spirit shapes in us. 
thank you for that image, uh, especially going into Holy Week now and imagining a Holy Week of viewing what, what Jesus has done outside of us and on our behalf and for us to redeem us, that we can't do, or we're not like him at all. And then appropriating that and saying, well, notice how the Spirit is making me like Jesus, not in somehow paying for my own sins, but in living out a life that looks more and more like him. That's kind of actually an exciting thought for me. I think of celebrating Holy Week and Easter, imagining what the Spirit is doing in me. Thank you for that. Before we finish today, Leo, we've talked about the Spirit shaping some Jesus, the life of Jesus in us. I, I like to ask the question, is there a next step that Jesus is inviting you into? I, I guess I could ask, is there something the Spirit is shaping in you this week? I think we, we're often afraid of Holy Spirit prayers. Mm. Uh, but I think once you begin to talk about how the Spirit is shaping Christ in us, I think we have to not be so shy, but rather sort of, Rejoice in this gift. And so what has come to mind for me is once again, you know, the invitation that a hymn like this, for instance, gives us to call upon the Spirit to come and do His work in our lives. We should not be ashamed of that, but we mm. should uh, fully rejoice in that privilege that we have to call upon the Spirit to do His work in us. And so I was just reminded again today, to call upon the Spirit. Mm. Holy Spirit, come. Those are good prayers. Well, the church has always had come Holy Spirit prayers. If there's something the Spirit is shaping in me, I think that prayer, especially in the face of like COVID-19, there, there's a family friend that's in the hospital and he's actually going home, but he's going home to what amounts to isolation and, and kind of hospital care at home. They're trying to, they need the bed and he's not in critical condition, so he's got to go home and still kind of struggling to come off out the other side of it and to pray for my family, for our friends, come Holy Spirit and shape Jesus in us and shape the trust of Jesus and shape the Abba Father prayer of Jesus in us. It gives me a, a different way of praying this week. So thank you. Amen. Amen. That was Leo Sanchez, author of Sculptor Spirit, Models of Sanctification from Spirit Christology. I'll link to that book in the description of this podcast. I'll also link to a sermon that lays out the difference between Spirit Christology and Logos Christology, viewing Jesus as the Word incarnate and as the one who bears the Spirit for us. The water skier is still skiing here on Lake Shemung as the sun is beginning to set. Thanks for joining us here at Next Step Press. You can find this and other resources that help you delight in taking a next step at www.findmynextstep.org. This podcast was made possible in part by our three new Next Step patrons this week. Shout out to Steve and John and Dorothy. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't be providing these resources without you. As you head into Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and beyond, remember that you don't bear the burden of obligation to try a little harder and make yourself a little bit more like Jesus and bridge that gap from your side, but that the Holy Spirit makes Jesus close to you. In fact, the Spirit shapes you and conforms you to the image of Jesus for the sake of others. Thanks so much for joining us today. See you next time on the Next Step Press.